0: Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've made for us and this time to gather in your New Testament church. Lord, we pray now that your word would go forth in power, Lord. We want to see the Holy Spirit move and change lives. I pray, Father, for everyone here today that the saved would be fed. Lord, that if people here are lost or people have false professions, Lord, that your spirit would deal with their hearts. Pray that men would come clean with themselves, deal with their sin, and submit to the word of God and be saved this day. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And for sin, condemn sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Thank you, Be
1: safe.
0: So let me just say
1: this. I'm sorry to make me part of this, but um, I didn't get the operation. (laughs) And uh, they postponed until January 7th. So I'm good. And so let's consider the the Book of Romans is known as the fifth gospel. And the reason is because it's such a wonderful doctrinal uh, teaching in the Book of Romans. And uh, it, it deals with, uh, you know, uh, the epistle deals with man's condemnation, his justification, sanctification, glorification uh, for God's people. Chapter 1 through 8, chapter 1 through 3 confirms man's condemnation. In chapter 1, God's speaking to the Gentile world and it tells them that, you know, God gives them up. Uh, they're, they're sinners. In chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 the Bible speaks to the religious Jew and uh, he tells them and then notice chapter 3 and verse 9 please chapter 3 and verse 9 the Bible says uh, what then are we better than they? No and no wise because for we both before proved both Jew and Gentile that they're all under sin. As it is written is none righteous no not one. There's none that understand there's none that seeketh after God. Now man will seek after religion, but he's not going to seek after God. And then he goes on and tells us here, in verse 12, that they are all gone out of the way, they together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no not one. So God sees that mankind, whether Jew or Gentile, that's how God breaks down the world, you're either a Jew or a Gentile, he tells us that we're all under sin. And uh, God tells us, there's none righteous, no, not one. And then he says, there's none that doeth good. Now, religion will tell you the opposite. they say that you're, you're, you're righteous because you've been baptized, you've, you have know, try to do good works, you try to live for the Lord, and so on. But that's, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And so uh, the Bible goes on and tells us in uh, chapter 3, verse 24, now watch this, It uh, confirms man's justification is through Christ. Notice verse 24, please. And the Bible says being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So God tells us that we're justified what? Freely. You don't have to work, you don't have to earn, you have to, you know, merit heaven. It's, It's free. What do you have to do? You have to receive the gift of God which gives eternal life. And then he says again also in verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, God's righteousness, that, we, he, that he might be just and the justify of him that believeth in Jesus. Now notice, if you would, chapter 4, and uh, notice verse 3. The Bible says, For what say the scripture, Abraham believed God, and was counted unto him for righteousness. Now that him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. See, that's what we are. We're ungodly. We're not godlike. We're ungodly. And uh, it's counted for righteousness. And then he says in chapter 5, and notice verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the question I have to ask you, are you at peace with God? And when did that take place? When did you get peace from God? So so I've always had it. Well, you're wrong. You haven't always had it. There has to come a time in your life that you're converted to Christ. And then he goes on and tells us here in verse 8 and 9 of chapter 5, but God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while you're just like a guy shooting at a target, you're missing the mark, while we we're yet sinners, Christ died for you. And then he tells us here in verse um, nine, uh, much more than being now justified by blood, by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And then notice verse nineteen of chapter five: For as by one man disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience would, and that was Christ—shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace and much more abound, than as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we see in chapter 6 through 8, and uh, the Bible tells us it confirms man's sanctification. Uh, our condition is in Adam is in Adam's sin. So we were born sinners. Uh, the, we became sinners at the moment of conception. And uh, you know, I know babies are cute, and uh, look forward to Frank Melissa's baby coming, and and uh, that's great. But that that child, Melissa, hold your ears. That child is going to be a sinner. He's going to have Frank's nature. Amen. Well, that's where kids get their sin nature from, the father. It's not a joke, Frank. <laughs> but, you know, a child is capable of doing anything. And that's why they've got to train up right. Amen? So our justification is in our crucified Lord. Our sanctification is in the risen Christ. Our glorification is in the risen Lord. Our sanctification, note... How is chapter 6, our sanctification, uh, the Bible speaks about our being identified in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Now notice chapter 6, of you would, of Romans, and uh, we pick up here in chapter 6 and verse 2. The Bible says, "God." For, uh, well, it said verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How, that, how, are, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Verse 3 deals with uh, we're immersed or baptized into his death. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, were baptized into his death? So let me just say this. He's not speaking about water baptism here. I'm sorry to say. Uh, it, it would be better to understand this as, you know, being immersed in, in the death of Christ. Uh, I'm not saying the, the Bible's wrong, I'm not, but it's, it's a word they're speaking about uh, a baptism or immersion. And so he's saying here that we're immersed. Now, how does that happen? We're immersed in the death of Christ. It's speaking about our repentance. And that's what the Bible's claiming here. And then he says in verse uh, 4, The Bible says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up by the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So he's not speaking here about, uh, you know, being baptized in the sense of being immersed in water, but rather we're immersed in Christ. The idea is that as Christ died, that's our repentance. We turn to God from our sin, and then we're raised to a new life. How's it happen? It didn't happen in the water, it happens in our life from being born again by the Spirit of God. We're raised to a new life. Verse 6, notice he says, Knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So this takes place again, when the old man is crucified with him. In other words, when we came to Christ, when we were born again by the Spirit of God, the Bible teaches that you know, we were raised to a new life. We were raised to a, a new life in Christ. Forgive me. <laughs> Should's the time out, right? So the idea is that we're raised to a new life. And so God tells us in verse 7, he says, For he that is dead is free from sin. So that our death uh, took place when we repented. That's how we died with Christ. And the Bible says we're dead and is free from sin. And so that's why we don't serve sin as saved people. We don't live in sin. Uh, that's impossible. The Bible says in verse eight. Notice the Bible says now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that He we shall also live in Him. So again, the Bible speaks about uh, being dead with Christ. And uh, it goes on and tells us here in verse uh, nine, knowing that uh, you see, knowing uh, that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death shall uh, excuse me. Death hath no more dominion over Him. So we've been free from sin. The Bible tells us that in in John chapter 8. The Son will make you free. You're free indeed. And again, the Bible says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead. So the resurrection, Jesus just died and that was it. and didn't resurrect. We'd be all men most miserable. But he did resurrect. And because he resurrected, it now uh, uh, causes our salvation to be... uh, Uh, fulfilled in that we're justified by his resurrection verse 10 but in in that he died he died unto sin once uh and that he liveth he liveth unto god and that's that's the bottom line if you're saved you live unto the lord you're going to do god's will you're going to be in god's will you're going to consider god's will in all things why because you've been converted your life has changed now our sanctification is simply this that as by the act of Christ died, and as an act he rose from the dead, so also every believer uh, uh, is dead towards sin and risen to a new life. So again, this has nothing to do with water baptism, that, oh, when I get baptized, I'll be raised to a new life. No, it's not not that. We're immersed in Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. And so the Bible tells us our old man is crucified with Christ, and uh, uh, it was an act done for us by Calvary. Now, notice, if you would, uh, Romans chapter 5, and uh, we'll pick up here verse 8, where the Bible says Christ died for us. Chapter 6 uh, explains that where we die with him, Christ died for both sin and unto sin. And we ourselves could not die for uh for or unto sin but in christ's death we died unto it because of calvary christ made his relationship to the sinner the believer's relationship as well so that we can then reckon ourselves uh, as the bible says dead to sin but alive to god and uh, again that took place the moment you got saved it, you didn't have to pray for it afterwards. You you were raised to a new life. You, con, there's so many things took place in your conversion. The Bible says forgiveness of sin. We're converted to Christ. We we live for God. We've been raised to a new life. Uh, all these wonderful things. We have blessed assurance. And so uh, the the Bible teaches because of Calvary, Christ uh, made his relationship to the uh, to sin the believer's relationship. Uh, the same. So the question is is Acts uh, 1 of chapter 8, the Bible says uh, there is therefore now no condemnation in them that are in Christ Jesus who walked not after the flesh but after the spirit. And so again we have uh, no condemnation in our lives but rather we've been raised to a new life yet the, the Bible speaks about present st- sin still in believers' life and chapter seven deals with this. chapter six speaks about, about us positionally being in Christ. shall we continue to sin that grace be about God? God forbid we're not to live that way. sin should not have dominion over but in chapter seven chapter seven Paul speaks about you know being led by God's spirit or being in the flesh, the struggle that takes place in the Christian's life. Now, let me just explain this to all. Paul did not have any, uh, you know, sin in his closet. He didn't have, well, I just had the couple of sins. Paul was not an immoral man. He was not a, a lustful man. He was not a wicked man, wasn't a drunk. And so on, I, I had a man ask me this years ago. Well, Paul probably had some secret sins in his closet. I thought, look are you, are you crazy? I... I I believe I said that to him. I said, are you lost in mind? Why would Paul do this? I said, the Bible teaches we're free. We're free. What was Paul's struggles? Oh, tell me, preacher. What's his struggles? He probably didn't read the Bible like he should have every day. He probably didn't pray as much as he should have every day. He probably didn't walk in the Spirit as he should have every day. But Paul was not a man of the flesh. Paul was a spiritual man. Just like every person who's saved is a spiritual person. And I'm not talking about, oh, they're they're spiritual. They hug trees. I'm talking about the Bible. They follow the word of God. They live by the faith of the Son of God who loved them and gave himself for them. Amen? And so we we see here uh, the glorification is seen in chapter 8, verse 12 to 30. Now notice, if you would, uh, the promises in verse 12... Paul says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. So this is not how we live. We're not to be fleshy people. In the New Testament, the Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. There's a conversion. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. There's a change in the New Testament. And notice it goes on and says, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of flesh, you shall live. And what is mortification? He's speaking about sanctification, sending our lives apart from the world unto Christ. And that's the key. We've got to do God's will for our lives. Now, he goes on and tells us here in verse uh, 14, but as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So here's a good question to ask yourself. Am I led by the Spirit of God? That's a good question. Does God's Spirit have a, a say in my life and again he says in verse 15 for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear that's not how we live but rather we receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry abba father in other words we cry out to god we our, 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 god is real to us in verse 16, the Spirit of self beareth witness with our spirit that we're children of God. So here's a good place to stop and ask, do you know? Do you know? I didn't ask you if you believed. I didn't ask you if you hope. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you pass from death unto life? Do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? Now, here's the key. When God saves someone, they're truly converted, their life is going to prove it. It's not just a, a thought like, oh, I'm going to heaven. Yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. No, 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 no. You've got to not only know, but your life's going to uh, uh, cry out that you're a child of God. Your life, you're going to live for Christ. You're going to do God's will for your life. And uh, the Bible tells us uh, that, um, that uh, there's a promise of glorification. And notice it would, verse 17, And the children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, and that we may also be glorified with him. So the Bible speaks the promise of glorification. In other words, we're going to be glorified. We're going to one day die, whether through the rapture or physical death is going to come, and we're going to be glorified, we're going to be changed. We, our body is going to put on uh, a, a new body. We'll be changed. The Bible speaks about that in First Corinthians chapter 15. Now notice in verse 18 to 20, 27, we'll read only part of that, the expectation of glorification. Now the Bible picks up here in verse 18, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature wait, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was not was made subject to vanity, uh, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. And then he goes on and says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of, the, of God, which... Notice he's in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So think about paradise. When Adam and Eve were first created, paradise was perfect. There were no carnivorous animals. There, were, there was uh, you know a life that pretty much was in the garden. And there were all the creations there, elephants and lions and uh Tigers and bears don't mind. But anyway, I should have said that. That was wrong. But anyway, uh, they had all the animals there, but they never attacked humans. But after the sin nature, that's when uh, a man would be attacked by animals. And how many people died on a yearly basis throughout the world because they've been attacked by animals, whether a snake, snake bitten, or you know, a lion, or a tiger, uh, and so on. So... That happens. Why? Because of sin. Because what sin ha- took place in the world. And so God goes on and tells us um, in verse 23 and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grow within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of the body. So we're waiting. And that's where our struggle lies, lies within our bodies. Our soul is saved, our spirit's been... Uh, we've been given the spirit, we have now have a relationship with God. But our body... And the, the Bible teaches that at the rapture, our body's going to be changed. The mortal shall put on immortality. And the corruptible, our bodies, shall put on incorruption. So then God goes on and tells us here in, in verse 30, He speaks about the certainty of glorification. the verse 30, moreover... Whom he did predestine, them he called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he glorified. So this is all confirmed today that we will focus our study in chapter 8. And notice verse 6. Now watch this. Verse 6, the Bible says, For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if you're not saved, you're, you're, you're dead. You're dead in what? Trespass and sin. Sin has dominion over you. And you say, oh, preacher, uh, you know, I'm a nice old man. I'm a nice uh, you know, old woman and so on. And I, I don't live like the world doesn't. But if you're not saved, you're in the flesh. You're mindful of the things of the flesh. You're not converted to Christ. And that's what God wants us to be born again. We've got to, we've got to have a testimony of salvation. So, the Bible speaks, first of all, of the law of the Spirit. Let's pick that up in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, law speaks of rules, speaks of standards, a rule of uh, action and conduct. And let's now down our beliefs concerning that the outcome of our salvation, Christ, the Spirit of God, has a law. A rule, a standard, a, a rule of action and conduct, of which the child of God will adhere to. They who, those who have been born of the Spirit, so there's a new law, there's a new rule, and that's the Holy Spirit of God. And can we not say that uh, it, it, that uh, it is just assumed with certain brands or products that there are an expectation. Of uh, a, a, a performance, for a, a example, uh, if you um, have a Steinway piano, there is an expectation. It's going to be a good piano. Uh, a Cadillac. Uh, believe, uh, beloved, how much greater is the law of the spirits rule and reign our life as believers. Now, notice verse one. The Bible says, uh, in verse one, the middle of the verse, which are in Christ Jesus. And this is the key, whether it uh, will be, a fact, a mark of those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, the verse, second Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So the question becomes, are you in Christ? And you say, well, yeah, I am. Okay, when? When do you? And you say, well, I don't know the date. That's fine. You know, when I first got married, beloved, I hate to say this, but I always forgot the date I got married. But I, I remember who I married. It was you, right? And I, I remember the circumstances, but I always forget the date. I was always, who knows where my mind was. But, you know, again, you're a brand new or you're still the old man or old woman. And that's what you don't want. The Bible says in John. he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So salvation brings a new law. And first of all, in verse 1, there's no condemnation. Now, once before salvation, there was condemnation. There was a time when we had uh, not believed, but now there is no condemnation. Why? Because the Bible teaches when, when we have no condemnation, because we're in Christ Jesus. And that's wonderful for the child of God to know that they, they passed from death, being in a natural flesh, to the spirit. And we're now uh, in Christ Jesus. Now, just as Noah and his family were invited into the ark un, uh, uh, upon its completion, they responded to God's uh, invitation, God shut the door. Now, I have to tell you this, beloved, they, they were all safe in the ark, eight of them. They, they were not condemned. They were not judged by all those around them. But they were safe. And God did not instruct Noah to drive egg spikes into the ark, outside the ark, and tell him and his family to hang on for dear life. That wasn't it. They entered the ark, and God shut that door. And uh, the God, God shut him and his family in. And wrath could not touch Noah. Uh, and he followed God's plan. Likewise, those who have submitted them to the God's plan of salvation never be touched by condemnation because they're in Christ. That's a wonderful thought. There is therefore now no condemnation. In verse 2, he tells us, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin sin. And death. So number two, the Bible says there's no no longer control uh, of the spirit of of sin. Rather, there's no longer control of sin, and the answer, a new power, a new rule by the Spirit. Uh, there's no longer the flesh, and I, I know we're still in the flesh, but we don't live as we're in the flesh. An Example: the nature of laws of gravity pulls us down, and unless there's a greater power. Gravity will always pull an object down. That's why we're on earth. That's why we're, you can jump, and maybe jump high, but you're not going up in the atmosphere. You, you're still pulled down by gravity. And our old nature is like gravity, pulls us down. But the new nature, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, brings the believer up, thereby enabling us to live the godly, spirit-filled life. And remember this, beloved, Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he was in prison. He was beaten. He was at sea for a couple of days. He went without food to eat. And what happened? He wrote time and time again while he was in Philippi in the jail. He had joy. He loved God. He loved doing God's will. And what happened when he was in prison? Well, the the Bible tells that later on that night, while well, they were singing praise to God, meanwhile they were in stocks, both him and Silas, their backs were whipped open, and I, I said that on purpose, whipped open, not ripped. But anyway, uh, it was ripped open, and and uh, they had been beaten, and uh, the, while they were at midnight, they started singing praise and giving thanks, giving to God. All the other prisoners heard the, and the. Uh, God sent an earthquake that night, shook up the jail. They were all set free. And the jailer came in who was going to kill himself. Why? Because the law, and the Roman law was, if you lost a prisoner, you're going to die. So he's about to kill himself. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. The Bible says that uh, he cried out, the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? So he had heard; he had heard what Paul and Silas were in the jail, the uh, in the in the stocks. They must have been testifying for the Lord. And not only did the other prisons hear, but the Philippian jailer heard. And he asked the question, "What, what must I do to be saved?" And so Paul, uh, he believed the Bible says, and his family believed that very night, and uh, they they had food to eat uh, afterwards. So this is. This is the power of God. And uh, again, you know, God says that uh, the reason we can confidently claim verse 37 nay, and all these things were more than conquerors to him that loved us, more than. It's God who gives a the victory. There's, so there's no more condemnation. There's no more control by sin. Verse 3, there should be no more continuing sin. And notice he said in verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So the law cannot justify man, but rather it condemns him, and condemns man because of his sinfulness. And the law cannot regulate man's behavior. When Moses was sent up to the mount, uh, to the mount receiving received the Ten Commandments, Discovering the people below uh, were in the process of breaking the the very commandments. The Bible speaks, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So God gave us the law. For what reason? That it would be right uh, of the law to condemn. It would be right to condemn. But notice, if you would, Galatians chapter 5. And this deals specifically with the law. Galatians chapter 5. And the Bible says in verse 16... Now this is what the Bible says, what God means. He said, if, uh, this I say then walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I, I tell you, I've quoted that verse a gazillion times since I've been saved. And, uh, you know, I don't want to walk in the flesh, I want to walk in the Spirit. And so God tells us here, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do uh, what you would. And so God tells us that uh, man, uh, in verse 18, he says, uh, for if you be led by the Spirit, you're not on the law. Now notice if you would later on in the chapter, verse 22, but here God says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness temperance against such there's no law and then he goes on and says here in verse 25 if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit so paul is saying that because we're saved we don't have to live in the flesh and why would you want to there's there's no profitability in the flesh we go why i'm sinning against god but god tells us to walk in the spirit to think in the Spirit, to live according to the Spirit and not the flesh. Now, it is the Holy Spirit who controls the members. Let's go back to chapter 8, please, of Romans chapter 8. So the Holy Spirit controls our members. Notice uh, verse 10. Verse 10, the Bible says, but if Christ be in you. Now look what God says. He doesn't say Christ is in you. He says, if Christ be in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit uh, is life because of righteousness. He said in verse 11, But but, uh, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We're not to live for our flesh, our bodies we to live at, uh, the Bible says to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. God says, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. And that's the key. So there's a new law, there's a new Lord, and the Bible says there's a new life. Notice, if you would, verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally mine is death, but to be spiritually mine is life and peace. So I want to tell you this, beloved. Those of you who you are saved, you know, that's you're gonna live your life uh, in peace and you're gonna serve the Lord, you're gonna do God's will. But the reason there's some t- there's times that you don't have peace in your heart. is because you're in the flesh. And God tells us you know, we're not to be in the flesh. Notice he says here in verse 5, For they that after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, they that after the spirit the things of the spirit. So the difference between a saved person and a lost person, a saved person can walk in the spirit. A lost person can't. As much as he tries, he can't walk in the spirit. And that's why they're so frustrated. Because they can. not Why? They don't have the spirit. They have religion. They have a belief system. They have, you know, uh, their experience. But they don't have God's Holy Spirit. They've never been born again by the spirit of God. So, the Bible says there's a new law, a new Lord, and a new life. Notice verse 11, if you would. The Bible says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit uh, that dwelleth in you. So he goes on and says in verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16, the spirit that self-beareth with our spirit, that we're children of God. So you've got to ask yourself the question, am I led by God's spirit? Now, let me just say this, beloved. You're going to know. Well, that's what I think, priest. I, I think I'm led by God's Spirit. Okay. It's verified with the Word of God. It's verified with the Word of God. So again, you know, you, you, you can say all you want, but you have to back it up with the Word of God. That's That's essential. Because there's not two ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. So he speaks about a new life, a life which is liberated from sin. A new life emphasized uh, is the sonship. Notice verse 14 to 16. Uh, We'll read just verse uh, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There's a relationship there. A real relationship. And uh, once you get saved, you'll start growing. In what? In the Lord. God says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow Thereby. And we're going to grow on the leadership of the Spirit in our lives. And the Bible tells us that we're going to have a, a, a spiritual understanding. We're going to grow and mature in the things of God. I hate to say this again, Frank Melissa, but when that baby's born, and I know he's not banning, he'd be smart, but he's really not going to know a whole lot. When he's first born, he's going to know he's wet. He's going to know he's hungry. And uh, things like that. But when he starts maturing and growing, you know, when he's six months, when he's a year old, he's gonna recognize, you know, different things, he'll recognize where he lives, he'll recognize his parents. You know, when the firstborn there's not a whole lot going on, but he needs to be taken care of. And then when he turns two, no doubt he'll be able to, you know, repeat the declaration of independence and things like that, you know. You're going to be smart. But there's a growth. There's understanding. And so it is for the child of God. They're going to start growing the Lord. They're going to grow up in the things of God. They're going to mature in the things of God. They're going to have an experience in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And they're not separate, they're one the same. So, We see here the the law of the Spirit. Now this speaks about uh, the uh, new life is emphasized on the sonship. And uh, notice the family terminology here in verse 14 to 16. And then we see a new life emphasized on security. Verse 29 to 35, we'll just touch on this. Uh, The Bible says in verse 31, What shall we then say in those things of God before us who can be against us? So I'm to say, people, that you know, we have God's Spirit in us. God's for us. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for uh, for us all, how uh, shall He not uh, with Him also freely give give us all things? So uh, the verse thirty-three: Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. So the idea is that you know, oh look, I'm still a a sin. I still fall short. But it's God who justifies. I'm not working my way to heaven. I'm not earning heaven. God justified me. God saved my soul. And then we'll see uh, number two. We see the law of the spirit. The lawlessness of the flesh. So lawlessness speaks about being wrong. Ungoverned. Undisciplined. Unrestrained. Insubordinate. What a contrast to walking in the spirit. And the flesh is a natural inclination of man, the sin nature. It's man's natural disposition, the very essence. It manifests itself in false philosophies, religions, self-centeredness, self-interest, self-effort, self-exaltation, self-promotion, self-will, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-reliance, self-righteousness. Even their homes uh, reveal uh, the unmistakable evidence of self. It can be seen in their marriage, uh, in their children, their careers, their house. Uh, everything revolves around them. And the flesh has an earthly and devilish, sinful, and yet temporal appetite. And verse 6 tells us I know we're looking at these verses over and over again. We're working our way through the book. Uh, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And again, I want to say this. You, you say, well, no, I'm not saved, preacher. I'm attending church. I understand that. It's good for you to attend church. But God's not pleased. Well, I, I give to the Lord. God's not pleased. Oh, God commands us to give. Uh, you know, I, I go out and pass and out tracts. That's not pleasing to God. If you're not saved, you're not pleasing to God. Now, you may say, I'm trying, but you don't have to try. All you've got to do is receive the gift of eternal life. That's what God wants. See, the flesh always has to do it their way. It's my way or the highway. Well, that, that may work in life, but it's not going to work with God. <laughs> he, he's not going to accept that. So, uh, let me finish this thought here. Life without Christ is futile. It's empty. It's unfruitful. It's meaningless. It's selfish. It's vanity. When you look at the whole picture, why? Bottom line is to know Christ. And and even the very religious justify themselves of their works and efforts, self-promotion, and self-effort Romans 8-7 the flesh is disobedient dead and disinterested the Bible speaks of enmity the flesh is hostile towards God so whether outwardly moral or outwardly wicked man is at enmity with God why? he doesn't belong to God and lost man is uncomfortable in his flesh uncomfortable when confronted by the spirit Why? Because all his efforts, labor, work, dedication to better himself is empty. It's vain. Uh, It's at enmity with God. And the natural man is against God by his service, for he is following the course of this world. He is at enmity with God in understanding and will and affections. He loves what God hates. His heart is set on the world and the Bible tells us we're not to love the world and the things that are in the world and man, love the world the love of the Father is not in him. He, and it, he goes deeper in the heart of lost man is hatred for God's holiness God's justice and God is a just God you know if you remain in lost it's all going to come out at the end it is we're going to know your sins. We know the times that you rebelled against God. You said no to God. And even though you claim these other excuses, I don't want to make false impression. I don't know if God saved me. I you know I, I, I don't understand. All this is going to be revealed. The Bible tells us that God is God of truth. He's a sovereign God. Yet in their blindness, they are ignorant of the fact. They go against His word. They profess, they profess and sing their love for God and their enmity with Him. They create their own God and refuse to submit to the God of the Bible. Knows verse 7. The Bible says, Because a carnal is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed, neither indeed can be. They justify their disobedience. Their sin, the Bible says, neither indeed can be. Why? Because they're sinners. They're enemies of God. They're without strength. They're dominated by the flesh. The fruit is corrupt because of what uh, is uh, is unregenerate. The ear and the heart is unregenerate, uncircumcised, and they are slaves, listen now, of foolishness. Why? Because they, they don't believe God's word. They'll believe other things. They'll believe in lock stocking. Oh, they believe in themselves. But they don't believe God's word. As much as you carry that King James Bible, the Bible tells us that man is at enmity with God. Verse 8, he's displeasing. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, the Bible says in the last part, Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You're disowned. God doesn't belong to you. They're proud, presumptuous, to think that they can do what is right in their own eyes. So we see the law of the Spirit. We see the lawlessness of the flesh and the life of the Spirit. Pick it up here in verse 6 For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. So uh, not fleshly minded, but spiritually minded. There's life compared to death, birth, growth, Understanding, development, fruit bearing, direction, wisdom, love for others. Now I'll tell you one of the saddest thing I heard. I'm just telling you this. I heard it from a lot of different people who know they're not saved. When I, when I was told I was going to have eye operation, they said, I'll be thinking about you. You know what I want to hear? I want to hear you praying for me. But you know you can. Why? you're in enmity with God you're against God and until you get to a place that you submit to the righteousness of God when you call upon God with your heart your soul, your mind there's no way you'll be able to be saved I heard just recently where some people who were never saved i now praying. I'm talking about people that left that church a long time ago. i now praying. They have a prayer group. You know, your prayers are going to bounce off the ceiling. They're not going to make it to heaven. You rebelled against God. You said no to God. And now you're saved. Not, not true. It's false. So let me close by saying this. Uh, the, the Bible says there's abundant life. Jesus said... Um, uh, he's going to give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus is the way the truth and life. He pres- provides eternal life. The Bible says there's peace, their prayer, there's there praise, there's purpose. The peace of God in salvation. The peace of God because of sanctification. The Bible tells us about, notice chapter 14, verse 17. Chapter 14 and verse 17. And God tells us here, uh, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness. Notice he says, in peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. Now you cannot be disobedient and have these things. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to be born again. Uh, the Bible speaks about God's purpose. The Bible speaks about abundance. And God says, you know, he'll give him perfect peace. His mind is stayed on him. So the spirit of life, vitality, being alive is all found in Christ. And that's the question you've got to ask yourself today. Am I in Christ? Do I, do I have biblical salvation? Do I know the Lord? Now, you can be profess to be saved, and I, you know, but I, I want the real thing. <laughs> the night I got saved, I remember going back in that room and I took a break for about ten minutes. And I was determined to get back in that room and pray and get saved. I had prayed before then. And I said to myself, I'll see if this works. Guess what? It didn't work. He that come to God must believe that he is. And as he a reward of them, that diligently seek him. So I excused myself. I want to clear my mind. I went outside. I prayed to God. I said, Lord, I know I'm lost. I know the devil wants to destroy my life. I want to be saved. I want to, I want to go back in that room and, and be converted. And I marched up into the, I, I was in the military. So I marched up into the barracks, went into the room on the second floor. And when I got in there, I, Joe Pellett said, well, maybe we can wait another week and just think it over. He said, no, I want to be saved. And I, I said this to him. I said, even if, I, even if you leave, I'm going to call on war tonight. To save me. See, that's the key. You got to want salvation. You want. You have to deny yourself. You got to take up a cross and follow Him. You got to do His will. That's all part of the same words concerning salvation. And so, what you do you do? You forsake all. You have to put both hands to the plow, and don't look back. You got to plow for Christ. And so the thing you have to ask yourself, am I a child of God? Am I a true convert of Christ? Have I been born? uh, Born again by the Spirit of God? These things have got to be answered. Let's all stand on our feet, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one look around.